0: Heavenly Father, thank you for coming after us, and thank you for not leaving us alone, and thank you for your church, which is your design for us to live in community. And so, Lord, I pray, would you open up our hearts and our minds and let us hear what you need us to hear today, that we can become more and more like Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, in a world made for me, what you get in a world made for me is an epidemic of loneliness, which we see and statistics continually bear out. And, and maybe there are some of you here this morning that even in the midst of a worship center full of people that you can still feel lonely. Maybe you feel like this guy just in a bubble, that nobody can get to you and nobody can, you can't get out to anybody. And you feel that among a whole bunch of people, you're just watching the world go by and it feels like I am all alone. We live in a world that is made for me and it has led to just this chronic loneliness and isolation in our society. As I was putting together this message, came across some statistics from the Health Resources and Service Administration. Forty-three percent of seniors feel lonely on a regular basis. Forty-five percent increased risk of mortality in seniors who report feeling lonely, and being lonely is like 15 cigarettes a day. That is amazing to me. It goes on among some of the key findings, an estimated 6.7 billion in annual federal spending is attributable to social isolation among older adults. Poor social relationships were associated with a 29% increase in risk of coronary heart disease and a 32% rise in the risk of stroke studies have shown. Authorities expect the financial and public health impact of loneliness to increase as the nation's population ages. We live in a world of me, and we are reaping what we have sown. There are more and more people living isolated and alone. But God has something better for us, and therein lies the good news. God doesn't want us to live isolated and lonely. He knew that from the very beginning in the creation of the world, that we are developed and designed for relationships. So even though we can live in a world made for me, we need to find the we, and this is what God has designed for us, and this is what we want to unpack in this three-week series that we're doing, and that's what we want to unpack today. How do we live in we in a world made for me? And so if you've got your Bibles and want to take a look, we're going to look at that Hebrews passage that was read just a moment ago for you. So if you've got your Bibles, or if you've got the YouVersion Bible app, or if you've got the worship folder, it's got the verses in there as well. Uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. It says, therefore, and that's a, a terrible word when you see that when you start a passage, because you've got to go backwards and figure out what the there is, therefore. And, and so it, rather than going back over that, I'll try to highlight a few points as we go along, but just to move forward now. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. I just want to stop there because I imagine there are some people like, I'm not sure I have confidence to enter the most holy place of God. I don't know if you've talked to people uh, who don't go to church and don't believe in Jesus, uh, but a lot of the comments that I hear from those people are like, oh, I could never go to church because the churches wouldn't want people like me. And I'm like, well, what do you mean people like you? Well, you know, sinners, because if I walked through the door, I'm sure the place would burn down because God would just have his wrath poured out like the church isn't a place for me. And, And I have a feeling that a number of followers of Jesus feel the same way without saying the same thing. Because what we do is we hide portions of our lives because we don't want people to know because if they really knew what was going on in my heart and the thoughts that are going on in my mind, I wouldn't be welcome here. I wouldn't be loved here. I wouldn't be accepted here. And so we keep people at arm's length, and we sort of put ourselves in isolation. And so this idea that I can enter into the presence of God with with confidence, you've got to be kidding me, because I can't enter the presence of my church with confidence. I can't enter into the presence of my friends or my small group in confidence. How, How can I enter in the presence of God who knows all things with confidence? Well, in order to really understand this, you've got to understand a little bit more about the Old Testament and what there's. And there's a great story I read. I've been going through the Bible in a year, and, and I came across this story, and I had sort of forgotten uh, about this part of the story. David decides he wants to take the ark of God. So if you remember Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of thing, um, the ark that they had, the presence of God. And David says, I, I want to bring that into the city. And so he goes and gets this, and there is a great procession going on. They are dancing and singing with all of their might. There are tambourines and all kinds of things that are happening as they're bringing the ark in. And so they bring it down, and they're crossing a threshing floor, and one of the ox that is carrying the, the ark on, um, on a carrying... Uh, Thing. Thank you. That's perfect. That's exactly the word I was looking for, struggling with thing. Um, the thing that was carrying, the cart that was carrying, uh, it began to stumble. The ox stumbled. And, and so Uzzah decided, I'm going to make sure it doesn't fall. And he put up his hands against it. And as soon as he touched it, he dies. Now, you want to talk about a party killer, like in that moment. You know, all always doing, and I imagine there are a number of, like, what do what, what, I mean? What happened? God, what are, what are you doing? He was just steadying it to make sure it didn't fall. But God said, my holiness is always treated with respect and I have a certain way that you are to bring my presence and you disregarded the rules. And so David leaves it there. And a long story short, you can read it in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Um, he goes now to get the ark. And so they read through the old, what are the requirements of bringing the ark? And so what they did is they put the poles in the ark. So nobody's touching it, and they're carrying the poles. And they would take six steps. And after six steps, they would stop and they would sacrifice an animal. Actually, they'd sacrifice two animals. And then they'd take another six steps sacrifice two more animals another six steps sacrifice another two animals i'm like wow how many Animals were there. And then I'm thinking, I can't imagine King David going to people, Hey, you know what? I got a job for you. I want you to carry the ark. Whoa. whoa, whoa. Now I heard about what happened to the last guy that tried to carry the ark. I'd, I'd, can I be one of the tambourine people? I'm really good with the tambourine. I'd rather be a tambourine kind of person. I'll dance. I'm not good at dancing. I'm white, so I don't really dance real well. But I'd rather dance than hold on to the ark and, and be around the presence. Because I know with the holiness of God, I, I, I want to be around that. I just can't imagine what that was like to live with that kind of awe and respect about the presence of God. But that's what they did. And so this idea, he's writing to the Hebrews and saying, you can go with confidence, confidence, to enter the most holy place. Wow. Take a look at the next verse. By a new and living way opened for us. Through the curtain, that is his body. Again, this takes a little explanation if you're just reading this and you're not reading the Bible before and you're like, what's this thing about a curtain and it's his body? Well, you have to go back um, into the temple. And the temple had a holy of holies. And that was the place where the ark dwelt, that was where the presence of God dwelt in the middle of the building. And so one high priest, once a year, was able to go into the presence of God and offer sacrifices. And it was such a holy place that they put a rope around the ankle of the high priest. So in case he fell down and fainted or he died, um, something happened, they could just pull him out. Because if he fell down and he didn't come out, they're like, we got to wait a year to go get that guy. So um, nobody's going to walk into the presence of God. So they put a rope around his ankle. So this one was separated by this curtain. From top to bottom, a huge curtain that separated the presence of God from his people. So nobody accidentally looked on the presence of God and died. And some of you who know the story of Good Friday when Jesus died, you know what happened to that curtain. Mark tells us what happened to that curtain. He writes this, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. He's on the cross, gives up, breathes his laugh breath here on earth, that curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Not, not a little tear at the bottom, top to bottom, swinging wide open. Now the presence of a holy God before his people, as if God were saying, there's no longer anything separating me from you because there has been a payment that has been made for you. Jesus was enough for your sins, and there is nothing that is going to separate me from you any longer. So you can enter the most holy presence of God with confidence. Why? Because you're good enough? No, because Jesus was good enough. And so that curtain is torn into two. So let's go on. What happens next? And since we have a great priest over the house of God. That's Jesus. What should we do? Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Man, what a beautiful picture. No more guilt And no more shame. I've been washed clean with that, that we can enter into the presence of God. And I tell you, that just changes the way. I'm so glad I live on this side of the cross because I would not want to be having to sacrifice animals day after day knowing that that doesn't really take away sin. I'm just sort of appeasing uh, the wrath of God for this moment when Jesus comes and he takes all that away. Wow, when you begin to understand that, it changes the way you worship. But, but at this point you're like okay well this sounds a lot like it's just me and god <laughs> how how does that get to finding we in a world made for me well if we're going to find we in a world made for me it starts with our relationship with jesus in fact that's why our mission statement starts that way our first part of our mission statement you might be familiar with is connect with jesus Um, Because we believe there's no other name um, given unto men by which we can be saved. Jesus is the only way to eternal life. And so we say, Jesus. We want people to connect with Jesus. That's the most important thing that happens. But our mission statement doesn't end with connecting with Jesus. If you're connected with Jesus, that's fine. We don't care about the rest of your life. No, we want to connect with others. Because we believe that in connecting with others, that's how other people get connected with Jesus. And that's how we grow in our relationship with him. And so, take a look at verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So, who's the us in this passage? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's my family. You know, we worship together as a family, and so we're here. And, and that's great if your whole family is here, but we have a lot of families that don't all come to worship. You have some people that are married and, well, one spouse believes, one doesn't. And so every Sunday morning, you're going to church again, really? And they go off to church. Yes, I worship God. I love Jesus. I'm going. And, well, I think it's a waste of time. I'm going to watch golf, watch NFL. I know it's coming up. And they're... Constantly living with that so so maybe family is is not the us that he's talking about here Well, maybe it's friends because you can have a dysfunctional family and you don't get to choose your family But you get to choose your friends and so maybe the us in here is is the people you choose to gather uh, Around and, and that that would be wonderful, but at some point friends uh, will betray you if you haven't experienced that yet And, and at some point uh, friends will let you down and maybe you don't have those friends same friends a- anymore And so maybe it's not friends. And you're like, well, who does that leave? If it's not family and it's not friends, well, maybe it's it's my finances. Maybe it's money that he's talking about. That's the us in the statement. It's me and all my stuff. And then I'm just happy with me and all my stuff. Because money buys happiness, right? Well, that's not the we. What, What is he talking about, the we? It's not just me and God. So look at verse 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, in these six verses, 13 different references, either to we, to us, or to our. You get the point that God is telling you it's not just about you and God. It's about you and God and other people. If you connect with Jesus, that's great. But that's not the end. You've got to also connect with others. And, and here's really the truth of the matter is, is circles are better than rows. Now, there's nothing wrong with rows. We have rows. I mean, these are rows of chairs. And you're all sitting there very dutifully, and you're looking up here, and you're listening, and we've got a big cross behind me so we can focus our attention on Jesus and, and who he is. Rows are wonderful. But, but rows don't build intimacy. Uh, rows don't build care for one another. Circles do that. When you get in small groups and you get to know some people, that changes everything. You know, every once in a while, um, We get a call, and somebody's in the hospital, and we have a team of people that love to go visit people in the hospital, and and then every once in a while, too, that uh, pastors will pick that up, and Pastor Tim does the majority of that heavy lifting, and so we'll go and visit people in the hospital, and every once in a while, he'll visit somebody, and and often he will ask, or I'll ask when I'm there, too, is there anybody you want us to call, like a small group, or anybody you want us to let them know that you're in the hospital, and every once in a while, we get a response back from, like, oh, no, I don't don't know anybody in church. Why, you've been coming here for years? And there's nobody that would care enough to know that you're in the hospital? (laughs) It breaks my heart when I hear stories like that. I'm like, we don't want this to be a place where you just sit in a row. And nobody knows if you're here. And nobody cares if you're not here. That's not what we intend to do. We want people to get in community. We want people to get in circles rather than rows. Because circles are better then rose. That's where intimacy happens. That's where care happens. That's where life happens. That's where a relationship with God really develops. And so if you think you're ready to step into a circle, let me give you some questions to really get your mind ready and your spirit ready um, to get into community and what that really looks like. And so the first one I want to challenge you with is, am I willing to step into someone's mess without judgment and condemnation? Now we all have a mess. My life has a mess, your life has a mess, everybody's life has a mess. Just the degree of messiness is really all we're talking about. So none of us can claim we don't have any mess in our life, we all have it. But are you willing to step into someone else's mess and and listen to them, empathize with them, love them through the process, care for them, pray for them, help them through that? Are you willing to step into somebody's mess? So often, um, this is where a, a lot of people get turned off <laughs> because the assumption is uh, the church is a place of condemnation <laughs> and it's a place of judgment. And, and this is one of those things, frankly, I, I've really tried to work hard at my life. And I, I've got friends uh, of all varying degrees of brokenness and messiness. I've got friends that I've known since college in in homosexual relationships. And and it it, it breaks my heart, but I I intentionally said, you know what, I want to have a seat at the table. And so I'm going to intentionally be friends with people because I might be the only Jesus follower that they ever come in contact with. And I don't want them to have no contact with Jesus and his followers. So I'm going to stay engaged in a relationship. And I can disagree with the way you choose to live your life, and I'm still going to love you. Because that's what friends do. I have friends who are alcoholics, and it pains me to see them destroy their lives and their families. And, and I'm intentionally, man, I don't want to just heap them with condemnation and judgment. I want to let them experience the love of God. Because really what we're saying, if we're serious about this, is we say is, am I willing to give somebody else what God has given to me? Am I willing to extend the same grace and the same mercy? Now, well, what about truth? There's, there's place for truth. But don't let truth be heard like condemnation and judgment. (laughs) Let truth be heard like God has a better plan for you. God has more for you. If you want to discover more, I want to help you do that. I I can't do it for you. (laughs) So, number one, am I willing to, to step into someone's mess without judgment and without condemnation? Question number two, you need to ask yourself am I opening curtains or am I shutting them? A lot of people on the outside feel like the curtains have been shut. I'm not not really, you don't want me at your church. You don't like my type, whatever that is. So the question we need to ask our fellow, am I willing to open curtains up? Or am I saying by my words or my actions or just my demeanor, am I saying, you know what, clean up your life first, then you're welcome here. And I find it so ironic that, that God just ripped that curtain from top to bottom when Jesus cried out in his last breath. And, and we spend so much time sewing up that curtain again to keep people uh, away. So are we opening up curtains or are we shutting them? Are we communicating, you're, you're not welcome here. So are we opening them or are we shutting curtains? And then the third question to take a look at, am I connecting with God through others or am I doing it on my own? I've been so fortunate in my life. Uh, Wonderful parents, God placed me in a wonderful family that grew up in the church. And so I had a wonderful example from parents and my extended family, wonderful example of Jesus followers. I had wonderful pastors and and teachers and and people invested in my life as a a child and as a youth growing up. and, And did wonderful people along the way, friends that I just dearly, dearly love. And my friend Paul, uh, he was here and he preached at my installation here uh, almost four years ago. And, and I love, every time I'm around Paul, I'm like, I just want to love Jesus more when I'm around you, Paul. And so I love having those kind of people in my life. My friend Eric that I talk to every Monday, we pray together and encourage one another. I love being around because I just want to love Jesus more when I'm around him. And so we've got to have some of those people in my life. You can't connect with Jesus on your own. It has to be done in community. That's the best way that God has for us to design to get into a relationship with him is by relationships with other people. So am I connecting with God through others or am I trying to do it on my own? I guess really what I want to challenge you to do is to give your faith some friends. Your faith was never meant to be done in isolation. Your faith was never meant to live out alone. Uh, it's never meant to be just you and God. It's meant to be you, God, and other people. God intends us to be in community with one another. And so that's what we want. We want every single person who is connected with St. John, who, who wants to be in that kind of community, we want to make it as easy as possible for people to get in community and some of you have been here before. You you hear this, and if you're here last week, you heard about this. But we're going to keep talking about this until every single person is engaged in a circle, in a community, in a small group. And so, in your worship folder, you've got the grilling group uh, little sign-up sheet. I want to encourage you today. If you're one of those like I have been sitting in a row far too long, it's time for me to try out a circle. Great thing about a grilling group is it's three weeks. Man, you can do it for three weeks. You can handle it. And you get food on top of that. Like, if we can't entice, I don't know what else we could do to entice you. We're giving away pancakes and sausage. Like, anything will do to get you in a circle because we want to make it as easy as possible. And as Pastor Tim said last week, the beautiful thing about um, a grilling group is it's three weeks. If you didn't connect uh, with these people in your group, great. That you can find, we'll find another group, and we'll get to do it again, and you'll have another opportunity to meet some people, but don't let excuses get in the way of you getting in circles, and try it, just try it, write your name down and try it, and you can take it out in the connection counter, uh, or you can go outside and pick up a sausage and a pancake and, and say, boy, I'm I'm in. Because I I don't want anybody to have to have that conversation with one of us again. Can we call anybody? Do you want anybody to know you're in the hospital? No, I don't know anybody here. I I don't want to hear that story anymore. I want every single person involved in a community, in a small group. Everybody knows one another. That way, everybody's got somebody who's coming alongside and caring, and you're extending that care to people. And this is what we want to do. This is how uh, we uh, intend to do that. So this is a great day to sign up for that. Now for some of you who are like, amen, man, I heard what you say, I believe it, that's what I want to be, I want this church to become more and more and more like that, more engaged in small groups, um, there's a spot on here for you too. I, I, I tell you, I'm really praying for miraculous kind of thing. We, we had a, a good turnout of numbers uh, last week that signed up. I, I'm praying that that just gets blown out of the doors this week. But if, if God answers my prayers, uh, we need some more hosts. So if you're one of those, I'd like for somebody to be able to experience community because I've experienced community here, and it's a great community to be involved in. I want to help other people get engaged in community. You can check. I'll, I'll host. <laughs> we'll train you. We'll help you. We'll do everything you need to do to be a part of that. So please, check this out and be a part of that. Now, we live in a world far more that is becoming a world more and more made for me, and we have a loneliness epidemic in the world. And so the anecdote to that is community. It's finding we. And we want your help so more people can find a we in a world made for me.